Welcome to Being Honest with My Ex. My ex is Peter C. Haywood. My ex is SJ, better known as Honor Eastley. We were engaged for two years and, and then, then we, we broke, broke up. up <laughs> and then we stopped talking to each other for a year and now we do a podcast together. Would you have a baby with me? If I can get you to cry next podcast, we'll have a hat trick. <laughs> you don't know this, but I have a very vivid image of what your penis looks like. What? <laughs> if I met you now, I do not think that I would go out with you. Oh my God. I think if I met you now, I'd, I'd fall more in love with you than I did the first time. So you got an email about me. I don't think I technically got it. I think we got the email. No, the one that you were talking about, the message. What message? You told me there was some message. No, I said someone told me a story about you. Okay, let's start again. You introduce it. Ah, oh, fuck. I'm not even sure I should be talking about this. Go. <sighs> this genuinely feels weird. But last week we got our first piece of, like, very angry mail about Peter. That was not our first piece of very angry mail about Peter. In a while. In a while, In a while. yes, that's true. The first piece of very angry mail about Peter in a while. And that always makes me a little bit self-conscious. Anyone who's listened to the entirety of this podcast will know that we talked about it a while ago, like ages ago, near the start. And like, how do we deal with the fact that everybody hates Peter? (laughs) (laughs) But I always find it quite confronting. I don't know. You find it more confronting than I do. You find, yeah, I find the hate mail about you more confronting than you find the hate mail about you. Uh, I, <laughs> we, we, got, we got a piece of hate mail the other day and I read it to Lucy and he was really distraught for like two hours. Really? And I was like, I, like this doesn't bother me at all. I, I like, it, I mean, I read it and was like, oh yeah, I can see how that would annoy you. Uh, I, I don't think I did anything particularly wrong. I'm not going to change my behavior based on this one email, but... I can see why they were unhappy. What? Oh, my God. What did he say? Why was he unhappy? Uh, just, uh... So, first of all, what did the email say? Uh, so, the email said that, like, uh, Canada's not like you're talking about at all. We don't have corrupt politicians like America does. You can't compare Rob Ford and... and Donald Trump. Donald Trump. And, uh, of course, Canada has Thanksgiving on a different, different day. It's a different country. It's not for no reason. I've tried to listen to this podcast, but I just can't. Tell me when SJ does her own podcast, because I'm out. <laughs> Uh, there were some more nasty words in there, but that was the essence of it. I'm just collecting those emails for when I do a podcast on my own. <laughs> it's just a monologue. The best part was it ended with her phone number. I think it must have been in her email signature. But uh, I looked at the phone oh. number and I was like, that's a Toronto phone number. I could call this person. Like, I didn't. I feel like that's intrusive, but I was tempted. Yeah, I feel like that's intrusive. I saw that there were numbers at the bottom and... I thought it was her IP address. <laughs> I was really confused. <laughs> but of course, other countries have phone numbers that look different. <laughs> the main reason I want to call it is because I don't know how that conversation would go. Like, generally, I can predict the thing and be like, okay, here's the possible options. Is it worth the risk or whatever? This one, I'm just like, I don't know what that conversation would be like. I have no idea. Is it a landline or a mobile phone? Uh, well, I don't know, because in, in America and Canada, they're the same. Like, they look the same. Well, can can you send a text? I could just reply to the email if I want to get in contact. Oh, yeah, like, of course, yeah. <laughs> that's why it's quite intrusive, because, like, she's reached out through email, and then to reply on her phone is, like, really, like, I know where you live kind of territory. Yeah, that's very... No, if yeah, I wanted to reply, that. I could just reply to the email. But the calling thing would be interesting just because then I'd be talking to her. Uh, I would love to have coffee with her, I've decided. That would be super interesting for me. You could you could propose that. I'm not sure. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if she didn't want to do that. It would make a lot of sense. If someone, like, can't listen to this podcast, even though they love you because of how much of a giant turd I am, <laughs> I can't imagine they would enjoy coffee with me. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. So why was Lucy so upset? I mean, why was Lucy upset? He was upset. I mean, that's more his story than mine. But, um, but basically, uh, he doesn't take criticism very well and sort of views me as an extension of him in a sense. This is exactly how I feel. This is why I don't like it. You view me as an extension <laughs> of you? Well, in some ways, you're very directly associated with me. So... Criticism of you is not just criticism of you. Like, yeah, okay. 
the email was so adamantly like, SJ is so great, I can't believe she puts up with Peter, that I'm like, how can you take that personally? It's it's clearly not about you. It's explicitly not about you. It's absolutely not about me. So what happened afterwards was I think later that day, like a few hours later, um, someone told me this story about you that wasn't very... Flattering? Flattering. Definitely not flattering. What's the story? Oh, I'm not sure how comfortable they would feel about me telling, like retelling this story. So I'm just going to say, like, as in just because like they might find it weird that they, you know, anyway, they were just talking about how like a few years back you were kind of hitting on them quite a lot. Oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. And yeah. Uh, a few years back, I didn't know how to hit on people. I was very, very bad at it. <laughs> and uh, so I would I would try different things and quite often fail. And I think it's a really interesting area. Like, I'm, 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 I'm okay. Like, you're right. I don't even, like, I'm fairly sure I know who this is. But even if it's not that person, there was almost certainly someone who I hit on pretty aggressively and not particularly well because I was very new to flirting. And it also sounds like kept kind of doing that after they'd said, please don't do that? Uh, if it's the person I'm thinking of, then one time at a party, I was quite drunk and hit on them for the entire party. And then after that, apologized profusely and didn't hit, hit on them anymore. But continued to be friends and I tease my friends in, in like flirtatious ways. Like I, I you know, I, I make fun of people and I, I tease and all that. And see, that's funny because that's the that was the that's kind of like part of the response that I was having was like, yeah, Peter does do that. Like, like in terms of your relationship with with people, but it comes out particularly with women because of the dynamic of you being a heterosexual man. Yeah, your interactions, your friendships with those people are by the nature of them kind of flirty. If that makes sense. I mean, and, and, and the thing is, I equally flirt with my cousin and my brother and my sister, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know, but it's it's different. It has a different context. It, it has a different context. Anyway, I found myself being like, first of all, this was time when we were going out, and I was like, I don't remember any of this. I'm not even sure if I was aware of this at the time. And then being like, noticing that my brain was like, oh, yeah, that is Peter. And then I was like huh, I do that a lot of the time with Peter, where I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, that's Peter. Or like, you know, I'm like, Oh, you make yeah, excuses but- for me. Yeah, and then I'm like, wow, I do that. Like, I, I, I do do that a lot in conversations with people. And then I'm like, when do I, like, where's the line of that sort of stuff? And I think it just, that, experience went uniquely well with this like not very kind email about you and then being like hmm because you know it, I wasn't I have been avoiding talking to you about this because I this is not very nice and but I also am kind of like buffering and I feel like I'm just doing the same process again that I did before of being like hmm how do I deal with this fact that People that I know, I don't know. I'm not making very much sense. No, no, I understand. Uh, my question for you would be, do you think I did something wrong, whether deliberately or inadvertently? So it sounds like you did, but then you have the same reaction, which I thought that you would have, which is kind of like, yeah, I was a bit of a shit bloke. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're pretty willing to be like, yeah, I did do some shit stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm a human and I did do some shit stuff and I try really hard not to do shit stuff. Like, can can you say that you've never done shit stuff? Abso-fucking-lutely. Never done a shit thing in my life. <laughs> like, I, I have done some shit stuff. I'm very forgiving of myself because I'm trying to get better. Everyone I know has done some shit stuff. If they are trying to get better, I am very forgiving of them also. Uh, it, it, it comes down to your fave is problematic. Yeah, I mean, I try to do that as well and I I try to be quite understanding even if <laughs> I was talking with my friend last night of like someone that I used to date <laughs> I try to be very understanding even though there's this there's still this element of me which is like you 
are a cunt. Like, <laughs> and... About me? No, not you. Someone else. <laughs> and I really genuinely try to avoid feeling that way about anybody. And I really try to, like, you know, be understanding and zen and all that kind of stuff. <sighs> but sometimes people are shit. And sometimes I'm that person. So, do you know the Tumblr, Your Fave is Problematic? Yes, I do remember it. Do you, do you want to describe it for the people at home? Okay, I haven't looked at it in maybe like five years, but from what I remember, it was a Tumblr where they'd kind of take celebrities and they'd talk about all the reasons why they're bad people. Yeah, so the, the idea behind it was, depending on how generous you are, either, hey, you've got to stop liking these people because of these things that they did, or hey, look, everyone has done something that's problematic. Here's a list of, of everything problematic that these people have done. My issue with it was that it was, I mean, my issue with it was that it was a negative thing inherently. Uh, I, I don't think we should hold people up as like perfect role models because no one is a perfect role model. I also don't think there's a lot of merit in making a list of everything bad that someone has done. I, I don't like putting that amount of negativity in the world without really much positive. But isn't that like, like what about people like like someone like, Martin Luther King. I was thinking like Bill Cosby. Like it's kind of useful to put all the list of bad things together. I, I, I think that if someone is like raped a bunch of women, yes, we should assemble that list. That's not what this was. This wasn't, hey, here's reasons this person should be in jail. This was, hey, here's anything this person's done that wasn't perfect at any point. Sure. I just think that, you know, you're making some big generalizations there. Just, just saying exceptions. No, I, th I think having a, a website dedicated to finding negative stuff on every person that people like is a... It's just, it's just putting negativity in the world with no benefit. Is it problematic? Yeah, I think it's problematic. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas finding the crimes that someone has committed and should be in jail for, I think that's really obviously a different level. Okay, sure. It's a different thing. The other issue I had with it was that they just didn't care about context for any of it. So... Uh, you're aware of 30 Rock, the Tina Fey show? Yes. Uh, you know Mad Men, the, the main actor John Hamm? Yes. He did two appearances on 30 Rock where they put him in blackface. And the joke was, holy God, people used to think this was okay. It's incredibly racist. This is the worst. But this site wasn't, this site was like, problems with John Hamm, he thinks blackface is funny. Oh, oh, okay. That's also quite a simplistic way of explaining that thing yeah and and they did that like aggressively with everyone so like they found some clip with john green the author talking in 2003 and was like look at these shit things he did and he was like firstly that was 13 years ago secondly i've come out and publicly stated that i was trying to impress the person behind the camera thirdly that was never meant for public airing like i thought that was just us having a chat fourthly i didn't do the things i said i did <laughs> fifthly like what <laughs> It was uh, like there was this big list because, you know, John Green is much beloved in the internet community. So there's this big list of all the bad things he'd done. And almost all of them were like provably false or stuff that he'd 100% recanted. And so what that turns into is here's a list of people not like I dislike that approach. I dislike that approach of like you've done anything wrong ever. You're problematic. Well, it's difficult. I personally, I don't really like the approach of no second chances. Yeah, that's what it felt like. It felt like a no second chances thing. Just because, I mean, we all do fuck up. It's interesting you were talking about John Green and a video that I haven't seen, but I can just guess what it's like. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's kind of similar, some of those circumstances to what happened with the Trump video that just came out. You know, like that was a video, the pussy, the grab that pussy, pussy grabs back clip which is honestly I actually only watched it maybe a week after that story broke and it did make me feel sick Ugh. but those things of like oh that was never meant to be seen and he was trying to impress the person that he was with you know like all those justifications work in the same way for that Trump video except that when it came out Trump wasn't like look everyone I'm really sorry actually I did say some fucked up stuff and I did brag about sexually assaulting women. He was like, it's locker room talk. Everyone does it. He was like, oh, come on. Everyone does that. Which is, 
Which is pretty different. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Like, that, for me, is a, is a key difference. First of all, the John Green stuff he had denounced already. It wasn't like he got sprung this video and he was like, oh, I didn't mean it. He'd, like, already come out and been like, hey, look, a few years ago I said this stuff. I didn't mean it. I don't know. Uh, last week or the week before, we talked about Joe Peacock. And I talked about these two blog posts. And I went back and read them. And they're awful. They're, like, super misogynistic. They're just, like, they're not very nice. And it's on his old blog, which at the top says, hey, I don't stand by these views anymore. I have grown and changed a lot as a person. These do not reflect me. I just don't want to take them down because they were who I was at the time. And I think that's interesting and worth keeping up. Yeah. You're reminding me of a joke that Tom McLean, one of our friends, has. I like this joke. He says, I've started dating someone who's trans. And one of my friends said, oh, that's a bit gay because... The woman that you're dating used to be a man. Oh, no, I don't want to tell this joke. No, I don't want to tell this joke. So this joke is actually kind of famous in my friend's office in America because they have a, a, a trans lady who works there. And this is the only trans joke that she actually likes in the world. I know, but I feel uncomfortable even saying it, even though I know that <laughs> even though I know that it's it's an OK joke to say. You should finish it. This, this is a good growth growth opportunity for you. Okay, so uh, the friend says, isn't that a bit gay because she used to be a man? And then Tom says, well, I didn't know that we were assessing things. No, wait, no, wait. And then Tom says, well, then I reported that guy to the police because he is clearly a pedophile because his girlfriend used to be a child. <laughs> And he talks about how I didn't know that we were assessing people based on what they used to be like. Yeah. It's a, it's a solid joke. Are you okay? I feel very uncomfortable. I'm very sweaty. Are you full of adrenaline? I am actually. I feel very awake. This is not <laughs> the kind of joke that I would make. And it's definitely, you know, it, in terms of punching down or punching up, like the problem is... so. So I, I think a bunch of people might have the opinion that you can't make this joke unless you are trans or maybe you're someone who's dating someone who's trans. I don't know. Maybe. But this is definitely kind of like a punching up joke, as in like the joke and the ridicule is coming from the person who has messed up views about trans people. It's not about... Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Uh I'm I'm totally fine with it. I'm I have a much higher tolerance for jokes being told by people who shouldn't tell the jokes or whatever because I, I find that stuff needlessly constrictive sometimes. Um I, I think if a joke is, is punching up, anyone should be able to tell it. I think that's fine. I think if a joke is punching down, nobody should be telling that joke. But what's interesting is that whether the joke is punching up is also dependent on who is telling the joke. How so? Well, I just mean some jokes because of who you are changes like your position in the context oh, of the Oh right. Joke. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> so so you don't have like every joke is either punching up or punching down and it doesn't matter who's telling the joke. That's right. That's like I, I I couldn't tell a, a Chris Rock joke about having a, a a about being black because that obviously Clearly not. <laughs> wouldn't work. <laughs> no. Wow, I am so sweaty. You know when you get like a little bit alive and and you feel like your hair grows a little bit? There is one type of joke that I only try to tell every six months or so because it makes me feel that same level of adrenaline. And? Uh, well, I can only tell it when there's a henway nearby. When there's a what? A henway. I don't know what a henway is. Pardon? What's a henway? About three kilograms. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I get so fucking tense because quite often people won't say the right phrase. So, like, that works perfectly. That was a really, really, really good example. But I've had conversations that have gone for, like, five minutes where people dance around the phrasing and then we'll quite often, like, work it out before I can get the punchline out. I'm full of adrenaline right now. Now I am feeling awake. <laughs> we have very different types of jokes that make us anxious. So... To, to get back to the other thing, like, first of all, I want, to, I want to address, like, this specific person. Because if it's the person I'm thinking of, then, yeah, I got drunk at a party, flirted with her way too much, uh, checked in all the time, which I do kind of obsessively. 
but at the same time, like, kept on flirting. Then she was clearly like, I'm not interested. And then we, we stayed friends for, like, eight months afterwards. I am not the kind of person who you have to stay friends with. <laughs> like, I am, I am not the gatekeeper to any cool parties or, like, I don't hold any sway. And this person who I was friends with, like, would ride to have steak with me once a week. So if that whole time they were like, I really resent this, that's super weird to me. Uh, just stop being friends with me. But I know that I did something wrong. I then apologized profusely for it. And then we had a, a really friendly relationship for eight months. If it's someone else, I don't know. Well, we don't know if we are talking about the same person. <laughs> but I don't know. Like, I don't have very many details. So, And I also don't actually really want to make it about the, the thing, if that makes sense. Oh, no, no, no. I don't, I don't debate that. I just, I, it's just you, you bring up Peter hitting on someone and I feel that I need to explain what I think my side of the story is. <sighs> Did you get that article that I sent you on Twitter about Lena Dunham? I don't remember. You replied by saying, I was reading this, and I was like, oh, I've got to send this to SJ. This is so good. Yes, and then yes, I did. you realized that I had sent it to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I clearly did read that article, yes. <laughs> it was an article that was written for Overland Journal. God damn, they do some good stuff. Overland and Minjin just have very intelligent writing. They're two Australian literary magazines, literary publications, I actually don't know enough about them. I just know that they make good stuff and you should check them out. But this article about Lena Dunham was actually written anonymously and the person had said in it, I feel like such a shithead that I'm writing this anonymously. But also these conversations around Lena Dunham have so much fire in them that I'm terrified to actually put my name to this piece. And I'm like, wow, wow, that's that's real. And I think Lena Dunham's kind of interesting because she fucks up a lot in public. Yeah. And she apologizes. But I think everyone's getting kind of, not everyone, but this this kind of conversation of like, well, how many times can Lena Dunham fuck up? I'm going to put forward that I actually don't know enough about Lena Dunham to know what it is she's fucked up. Like I know maybe one or two things. So I don't actually have an opinion on the fuck-ups that she's done. But I suppose there's this question of, like, when can you be like, okay, that person has apologized for a lot of things. <laughs> when, like, when, I suppose the question is, when are they going to stop doing things wrong? <laughs> yeah, for, um, for, like, I, I, I equally don't know much about Lena Dunham, but I, I suspect I'm probably built quite like her because I fuck up a lot. When we had our engagement party, that was the crux of your speech yeah actually yeah my speech was basically like i have never met someone who has failed more than this man <laughs> and i have i mean when it comes down to it the two choices are risk failure or never try anything new yeah of course and you know like we know where this conversation is going this conversation is going towards like obviously the answer is risk failure don't you know Otherwise, you just live in fear, blah, blah, blah. Gave away the ending. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But I suppose it just made me think of, like, how I've been in a bunch of situations where I've excused people's behavior. Like, I've had definite relationships where I've excused people's behavior a lot. And then, like, when I think of my boyfriend in... Her younger years. My younger years... A lot of people kind of being like, hmm, oh, no, it's not really. And I just didn't listen to them. And then I didn't realize that I was in an abusive relationship that was like quite significantly fucked up. And I feel like I, uh, in some way, I still deal with that experience. Like it's still. Oh man, like I, it's like I'm getting emotional just thinking about it. Um, and it was a super intense relationship for like two years or something like that. Two and a half, three, so yeah, something yeah. like that. It ma it makes sense that you would still get emotional about that. <laughs> yeah, I know, but the kinds of things that I let be done to me, I think, is this is the kind of just very traumatic memories. Anyway, after that all ended, I remember feeling like 
why did I not listen to the people around me that were like, what are you kind of doing? In a subtle way, because you can't really be like... You, you risk losing the friendship if you overtly say it. Yeah, you, you, you kind of push them away if you're like, you know that person that you love and that you're in a really committed relationship with, they, they are, you need to get away. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I think sometimes it just makes me like go a bit implosive and like, am I losing touch with reality? If that makes sense of like the right thing feels very like loose and gray and i mean ultimately that's because there is no right thing <laughs> like if, if, you, if you're trying to fit the real gray world into a black and white binary you're gonna really struggle with that of like oh you know what there are two options here which one's the correct one like obviously neither of them is the correct option yeah of course i suppose and this is why I haven't talked to you about it, because I feel like this is quite, this is kind of not very nice, but I have this element of being like, yeah, you know, like I've heard a few stories about Peter where or people don't like him or they're like, yeah, I don't like that thing. And I'm always kind of like, yeah, that's kind of that, you know, he does do that or blah, blah, blah. And, you know, part of our relationship or part of why people probably listen to this is the fact that we are so different and that we get along and also don't get along in a bunch of ways. We get along like 98 to 99% of the time. No, like we get along, but also we are fundamentally different. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in some ways, a bunch of that is, is, is accepting that difference. Yeah. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want to give the impression that we spend like 40% of our time fighting. It's such a tiny, tiny, tiny part of our relationship, any kind of fighting or disagreement. And yeah, no, we don't really argue that much. And it's sort of like amplified by putting on a podcast. Like the, the one of the most recent episodes was you and I fighting it because I didn't apologize about comparing you to a kid or something like that. <laughs> and like on the podcast, that seems like such a big deal, but I don't know about you, but I'd forgotten about it a week later until we went to edit. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. We had this fight. Yeah, I, I don't think it really had any long-lasting effects. It's kind of an ongoing conversation, I think. Yeah. If that makes sense. And I think the ongoing conversation is just about how we see each other. How we relate. And the bits where I feel like you see me as I am and the bits where I feel like you see me in this way that I don't feel like I'm like that. And the, part of the reason why we have those conversations is because we have the space on this podcast if we didn't do this podcast, we probably would not be having <laughs> those conversations. Yeah, every fight we've had since we reconciled has been either as a result of or on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I think I have this element, though, that's like, what if in a while I'll be like, oh, yeah, those people who said those things, I don't know why I didn't listen to those people more. Does that make sense? Like, I feel really it, it, harsh It doesn't quite make sense because I, I don't know what the consequence to you would be. Like, do I hit on you and make you feel uncomfortable? <sighs> Only on Tuesdays. No, genuinely, do I hit on you and make you feel uncomfortable? Nah. Like, honestly, I, like, I actually want to know. Is that a thing mm -mm. that you ever feel? No. Right, so... The risk of, like, in a year's time, you going back and being like, oh, wait, I should have spoken up when he made me feel uncomfortable for hitting on me. It's not, a, it's not a risk. No, but there's, I've had quite a few relationships where I look back on them and I'm like, oh, yeah, that was, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think. So that fear uh, kind of makes, like, it makes some sense in terms of my history. First up. It makes sense in terms of your history, but it like if you take a very calculated approach to this relationship, which I don't think is inherently a bad thing, then what, you know, I'll do it from my point of view. By doing this podcast with you, I get to feel like I express myself, which I really enjoy, with an audience, which I really enjoy. I get to talk to you, which the whole time I'm talking to you, I enjoy. Uh, I get to discover things about myself. Like I've learned so much about myself from doing this podcast because listening to yourself have arguments, listening to yourself espouse points of view, listening to yourself be derided by strangers on the internet. It's all super informative. I love that. I really enjoy that. Uh, you will help me with projects. Like you look over my Kickstarter page and stuff like that. 
everything I get from this relationship, everything I get from doing this podcast is positive. So in terms of a, a simple calculation, like a pure arithmetic, I get a lot of positive. It costs me time that if I wasn't spending on you, I would not be growing. So I, I like spending that time in that way. And I wouldn't like, I, w- I wouldn't get any of the benefits and I would get more time back. That is a, a cost I'm willing to pay because there's no other costs. Like, yeah. Sometimes you'll be like, I need help with this now and I'll have to stop what I'm doing and help you. That is such a minor cost compared to the enormous benefits I get from this relationship. Yeah. If you approach it from that calculated kind of way, then it's impossible for years later to be like, ah, I was tricked into this. You know? Yeah, that's kind of a good point. I suppose from my side, there's a bit of a different cost benefit analysis. Just in the, like, I, th- I think like all the things, similarly, all the things that you said. Uh, are true for me but there's this other cost which is so what the cost is is emotional labor and I think that the reaction that Lucy had to that piece of criticism is a is a pretty apt example of the kind of labor that's involved in being friends with you (laughs) being friends with you because I'm I'm before we did this podcast, I never would have described myself as controversial or divisive. <laughs> never. Like, those are two words I would never have used. I think of myself as extremely normal and extremely middle of the road. And now I'm like, I'm apparently a very controversial, divisive figure. That's fucking weird to me. I'm okay with it. I've accepted that. But it's not something that is inherently true in my brain. So you're, you're saying that the, the emotional cost is that by being closely associated with a controversial figure, you get some of that splashback controversy. Yeah, it's it's kind of terrifying. And it's not just like receiving that kind of criticism is really uncomfortable. But then I go into like, whoa, what's it going to be like in, you know, six months or a year, you know? Does that make no? sense? What's happening in six months or a year? I just mean, uh, as we go forward, I imagine it would only get... Our profile increase. Yeah, it would only get uh, worse... Yeah, I mean, honestly, if if part of the thing is uh, what I was saying about the person who who uh, it sounds so fucking Weasley when I'm like the person who thinks I harassed them because I did harass them, that was not nice. I apologized and was forgiven. That's the thing that I'm like, I don't know how to how else to deal with that. Like, screwing up is a bad thing. If you can avoid screwing up, avoid screwing up. What do you do once you've screwed up? Is the interesting conversation for me. Yeah, totally, totally. I think maybe just because, like, that's just one, that's kind of just one example, if that makes sense. But, like, since starting to do this podcast with you, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people who want to, like, talk to me about how you did something. Like what? I can't even remember. Just, like, different stuff or people being like, Peter is so weird. I do not get that guy. Or, you know, like, I can't remember anything specifically, but it happens... It hasn't happened in a while, which I think is why that's this interesting. surprised you. But particularly in the beginning, that happened a lot. And I was like, ah, yeah, yeah, he does do that. Like, <laughs> like even people just talking about how the way that you argue, they find really frustrating <laughs> or something like that. Or people thinking like you're a bit of a dick when you argue or they've had arguments. I am a bit you. of a dick when I argue. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, I try. I'm Yeah, I'm I'm constantly trying to improve and. Beyond that, it's the Lena Dunham choice. Like, I can either not have opinions and just be a silent person, or I can have opinions and be regularly wrong. Vocal, I mean. I can, I can not vocalize my opinions, and or I can vocalize my opinions and be frequently wrong, because that is just what happens. And the, the flip side of it is that you can't have everyone like you. You simply cannot have everyone like you. Anything that I do will have two reactions no matter what it is. Like some people will like it and some people will dislike it. And so I assume by our numbers, a lot of people like hearing me and you talk. I know from <laughs> direct messages I've gotten and emails we've gotten that some people really identify with the way I talk. And so I can either stop being me yeah, to try to appease the people who don't like me, or I can keep being me to try to appease the people who do like me. Of those two, I'm going to pick the one that is the most honest. And that is, that in itself is going to annoy people. Like, there's, there's no there's no correct answer. Like I was saying earlier, you can't split this into, like, correct and incorrect. No matter what I or anyone else do, there's going to be people who don't like me. And that's totally fine. I'm surprised that you 
didn't think that you were controversial before we started doing this podcast because I get that you're like definitely there's people out there who really identify with you and I think that that's I actually genuinely think that that's cool that they have this opportunity to listen to you because I don't know to me you're super weird (laughs) kind of unusual but also I understand that I'm in a people like me bubble where (laughs) I hang out with a lot more people who are like me (laughs) but I suppose I had this thing of like well yeah you can't please everyone that's definitely true but like (laughs) I understand that not everyone is going to like me that's definitely not a thing that's going to happen. But people definitely, like, haven't got as much negative feedback. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking that, like, you, you, are, you are the beloved one on this podcast, which is great. I think that's amazing. I also think you take way fewer risks. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's definitely true. I've been the person who has, like, canned ideas before. <laughs> it's like yeah, we absolutely. are not talking about that <laughs> yeah and some of them i think are really important conversations like obviously we both have veto power in that this is a two-person podcast and if one person's not having a good time that's not a thing we're going to do but there are conversations that we are like that's part of what the patreon's really good for we've been talking about recording a few episodes just for the patreon to like start talking about different issues and then seeing how that lands and if everyone that is like uh you guys are, are awful for discussing this then we probably won't go any further but i think you'll find people like wow this is an important conversation that no one is having and it's super interesting yeah i think that i'm actually kind of like that that we can be like hey well there's these people in here we can just Ask them what they think. They <laughs> like this enough already. <laughs> but I think what I'm interested in is like, there's a lot of kind of emotional labor that goes into being friends with someone who is controversial and who people have, you know, opinions about, opinions that maybe aren't nice. And it's funny that I do more labor in terms of people not liking you than you do. <laughs> And then Lucy does more than both of us. <laughs> I don't know, Lucy. I've been doing this for a while. <laughs> I've been, I've put in some years. One of my one of my core beliefs about humankind and interacting is this like respect for the fact that people have agency. I am a big believer in that, and, and giving people agency. You are not obliged to be friends with me. You actively make that choice. And I love it. I love that I'm friends with you. I really enjoy it. I try to be the best friend that I can be without not being me. Like, if you wanted me to be... Oh, God. I can't even imagine it. Like, SJ2. (laughs) That would be be so uninteresting for both of us, you know? You would be way less useful. I already have an SJ. (laughs) She's okay. (laughs) You... choose every week to sit down and chat to me about the stuff in this podcast you choose to be publicly associated with me you choose to be close friends with me i love that you do but ultimately it is your choice and i respect the fact that you were the one making that i'm not going to go ahead and make the choice of like oh i don't think i'm good for sj i'm going to change my things things about me because first of all that's really not fun or interesting to me and secondly i know if if you asked me to change things about myself that would make me actually go wow is that a thing that i need to change oh really it would most likely result in me being like, I don't think that is. SJ just doesn't want to be friends with me as I am. And that's fine. I will survive without your friendship. I will be sad. I really enjoy hanging out with you. You're a super important person in my life. I will survive if you're like, look, this friendship is not worth it. But ultimately, if every time... Like, I had a friend once who... Oh my God, I can't remember the circumstance. But they were like, hey, look, Peter, if we're going to continue to be friends, you need to do this. And I was like, oh, I don't want that friendship then. <laughs> Oh no, I think of you more as like a like a a lone ranger. <laughs> like a destructive dog. <laughs> that needs to be put down? No, no, just like you're like, yeah, he does that sometimes. <laughs> you're like Yeah. I, I, I can't remember the exact circumstance, but genuinely like about seven or eight years ago, someone was like, Look, Peter, if we're gonna be friends, you gotta stop posting this kind of stuff on your Facebook wall. And it was a very new friendship, and I was like, I guess we're not gonna be friends then because a, I like posting stuff on my Facebook wall. B, I don't like ultimatums like that. 
so ultimately, like with you, with all my other friends, if you don't like a thing about me, bring it up with me, absolutely. And then if we can't reach an accord, we will both go on fine without each other, you know? <laughs> I don't need you and you don't need me. We like each other. But if, if you stop liking me, stop being my friend, obviously. What's funny is that what I don't like is other people not liking you. <laughs> and genuinely, if it got to a point where you're like, look, I can't have this in my life, that would be a valid reason to stop being friends with me. Huh. If that got to the point where you were like, being friends with Peter makes me unhappy, I want you to stop being friends with me because I love you and I don't want you to be unhappy. Huh. Yeah. I mean, I'm not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just kind of funny. I, I suppose it just also makes me go like, am I wrong? I'm confused. Makes me confused. I don't, uh, wrong about what? Like, wrong about my opinion of you. I don't think you can be wrong about an opinion. <laughs> yeah, I know. Except for the... Uh, there's one exception, which is the movie The Usual Suspects. That is a garbage film. Everyone's <laughs> opinion of that film is wrong. It won a fucking Academy <laughs> Award. It definitely shouldn't have. That is the one exception to the rule. Which is that, like... Like I said, look at it as an equation. And if the equation is, do I get more pleasure out of this in misery? Then you can't be wrong about the results of that equation. And if it tips, and for me, like, I have very few friends. I have less than 10, 20 friends in the world, like, who I actually interact with. Uh, I, I could name them, but that would be really insulting to everyone who's not on the list. In terms of people I talk to daily, there is definitely fewer than 10 people in the world who I talk to daily. And in terms of talking to weekly or monthly, I'd say less than, less than 25, less than 20. And the thing is, I'm actually, you might not get this from the podcast, I'm fairly charming. Like, I have more offers of friendship <laughs> than I have time for. And so, for me, the equation is not, do I get more happiness out of this than unhappiness? The question is, do I get any unhappiness? If I get any unhappiness out of a relationship, I'm unlikely to continue that relationship. Huh. I have really high standards for friends. Huh. That reminds me of, I remember one of my... Uh, romantic relationships just like went to just shit town like totally went to shit town absolute shit town I, I know SJ I was on the other end of that relationship <laughs> and at the end of it the the person was like you know I know you have all these issues with me and I and all these ways in which I make you unhappy but I'd really like to be friends and I was like that's really nice but I have a lot of people in my life that I don't get to see very much who I really adore and I would rather see them <laughs> than, than hang like than try and work on a like ham fisted friendship with you. And I felt like a boss saying that. It was <laughs> it was also maybe a bit like cathartic or something because we'd had some awful times. Yeah. But I think I don't know, maybe also just as I get busier, that kind of, that equation becomes more easy. But I think maybe just my t uh, terror is like, first of all, it's a terror of like being at the under the end of a lot of internet hate, which I don't think is completely unreasonable. I think that that's actually genuinely terrifying for a lot of people. I think that I might be a useful set of training wheels for that. <laughs> Because as your profile <laughs> increases, you are going to get hate mail. And I don't mean you, SJ, I mean you, a human on the internet, and especially you, a human female on the internet. Yeah, totally. I actually don't get that much hate mail, really. Like, I really don't. I think maybe because I did, I did a song like a year ago about getting abuse online and... I was really proud of that song. I thought I thought it was good. And a lot of people have said a lot of nice things about that song. I thought the video was really well edited. <laughs> so it's a phenomenal video editing. <laughs> this is I don't just know what before... about it was. Just, uh, just <laughs> this amazing. Is, this is just before Peter uh, <laughs> left Melbourne and travelled all around Australia and then moved overseas. So he kept, you came and helped edit that video and we had only just really started talking again. Yeah. So it was kind of an interesting kind of moment. But I think because of that and because um, a lot of people saw that, people get this idea that I get a lot of hate on the internet. And I actually don't, really. Like, I think that's why it takes me by surprise when I go into Twitter and someone's taken my post about 
my experience of rape and then told me that I'm fat or that I'm what is like people using like saying I'm just awful stuff just people saying really and I'm like oh wow that's weird that doesn't happen that often what do I do with that and I haven't really figured out a good thing to do with that actually except for just like nothing yeah just don't like just you, you nothing. start reveling in my hate mail so you can like build a, a thick skin so when it comes for you you'll be more prepared well I did an interview this week and one of the questions was what are you afraid of and I wrote down like climate change and baby related nightmares and a lack of financial freedom because I'm so passionate about creative work and also there was two one was intelligent yet scathing criticism genuine fear of that and also becoming well known enough that the world doesn't feel safe anymore which is a very like it's a very privileged fear to have a very privileged fear to have but it's still actually quite a potent fear <laughs> yeah and i worry about that because that's only more likely to happen as i go forward oh yeah it is it like it, it approaches certainty <laughs> Which sucks, but it's true. The other thing that, this is just to go back to what you were saying before of like, I have a choice, which I definitely do. But in some ways, there's also this like, because we do this podcast together and because a lot of people listen to it and because now I have a Patreon and a lot of those people know me through the podcast uh, and I get a lot of support that I'm really grateful for from this endeavor it's not as simple as do you want to talk to peter every week there's there's an element of what's the word obligation obligation yeah of course and we haven't talked about this publicly before but there was a moment just after i launched the patreon and it was way more successful than i expected it to be where you i mean we've talked about it a bit more but there was you weren't meaning to give an ultimatum but there was a situation that happened and you were like, I needed to be like this. Otherwise, I'm not really interested in doing the podcast anymore. And it was like, wow, I feel like I'm actually kind of in a bit of a bind here because I've just it, gotten it all... Like, I know that that's not what, what your intention was and you were no, trying for, to communicate. For me, for me, it was very specifically, I was being told that I had to do certain things. And I was like, I don't want to do those things. I don't want to do those things. And so... If I have to do those things, I'm not going to do the podcast. Yeah. It wasn't me being like, the podcast has to be like this or I'm not doing it. It was me saying, no, you, you can't tell me that I have to be a certain way. If I have to be a certain way, I don't want to do a podcast called Being Honest where I'm not allowed <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, which I can, you know, although that's not my own approach, knowing you, I can understand. <laughs> like, I understand where you're coming from. I was just like, wow, that was a moment of being like, fuck, I'm in a bind here of like, I, I have an obligation to do this project. And that means that I have to accept Peter the way he is. And that might sound stupid, but sometimes we disagree on stuff. And, yeah, and it was a moment of realizing that I was like, fuck, I'm actually in this position where it, this isn't just like a fun thing that I do and it doesn't really matter if I stop doing it. It actually has a lot more weight to it than that. And I, that was the first moment of being like, oh, like there is more complicated stuff going on in terms of my relationship with Peter because of this project than there was before. Yeah, which just complicates the whole thing of of like, like – accepting you the way that you are and then also accepting that that means that there is definitely going to be backlash towards me or you know labor around that all that kind of stuff does that make sense yeah i think that um like your, your patreon at the time was making 600 bucks a month you would have survived without if, if everyone had dropped out <laughs> no i understand that but the thing of like wow this is like a really big opportunity and I can't fuck it up. Like, that's kind of, that's yeah. that's how I felt. Like, I can't be like, hey, everyone support my Patreon. And then two weeks later be like, oh, 
not doing that anymore. You know, like I was like, yeah. I was just white hot with embarrassment at the thought of doing that. Yeah. Again, I want to specify, I didn't like throw down an ultimatum and be like, do things my way or I walk. I was just like, don't tell me that I can't, that I have to lie. <laughs> don't tell me that because I can't do that. Also, we did talk about this at the time and you were like, I'm really sorry that this is putting you in this position. You know, like, yeah, yeah. you're like, you're in a difficult position at the moment. So you're sitting down and eating. Oh, what's the food you really like? Oh, God damn it. <laughs> no way. Are you giving me a pita for? <laughs> is that what they're called now? That's what they're called. What's your favorite food? Uh, this is not a hard question. <laughs> Pick a- any food in the world that you like. At the moment, I've been really liking jazz apples. Okay, you're sitting there chewing down a jazz apple, and someone comes up and says, oh, I don't like them. What's your reaction? Oh, okay. It's not, well, maybe I'm wrong for liking them. Yeah, but what about, say, if you really liked, uh, if you really liked a specific pair of sneakers and someone else said they didn't like them? And then years later, you look back at photos in your sneakers and you're like, actually, they were stupid sneakers. <laughs> I wish I had listened to that person who told me that they were stupid sneakers. Why? I don't know. Why do you wish you'd listened to that person? You wish you'd had less joy in the past so that you could feel better about your choices as a young person? I do not like these metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, that, that's my point, though. Like... Again, it comes down to that for me, that, that calculating nature of like, am I getting positive? Is this improving my life? Yes, no. Then going back and looking back and being like, oh, that wasn't improving my life. The only way that you know that now is because you made the mistake in the past. Yeah. Uh, there are people who don't like me. That's fine by me. Uh, you've got to come to terms with that, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> come to a lot of terms with that. You've got to ask yourself, do I like Peter? And if you don't... Stop being friends with me. If you do, it doesn't really matter what the other people said. Well, I think I'm embarrassed by how much I like you, if that makes sense. But See, I'm this way about movies as well. One of my absolute favorite movies is music and lyrics. I love it. Like, I adore that film. I will watch it on loop endlessly. Well, that is just a wrong opinion. That is a wrong opinion. And people like, people like, this is bad. Here's why it's bad. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see why that would put you off. But for me... For me, where I am right now, this movie hits all the notes I wanted to hit. Hmm. Uh, the flaws that you find with it, they don't bother me at all. And I get so much joy out of this film that stopping watching it because of the problems that you have with it makes no sense to me. And I used to be embarrassed about putting that as one of my favorite films. And now I'm just unabashedly like, it is. It is one of my favorite films. I love it. Me loving it doesn't mean that you will love it. But there are people out there who wouldn't check it out if I didn't say I love it. And maybe they will. But... Because we're doing this in public... That's what I'm saying, though. I, I didn't used to put it out there, and now I do. No, what I'm saying what I'm saying is, like, our relationship is public, and now, because of the way the internet works, friendships are policed publicly. So are, are people telling you, hey, I don't like the way that Peter treats you? Or are people saying, hey, I just don't like Peter? Um, some people have said that they don't like how you treat me. Do you think that their arguments have merit? I think that that's why we had an argument. <laughs> About what? Uh, the argument where you said that I was like a kid. I think that's why it turned into an I argument. I didn't say that you were like a kid. Okay, so but I'm just trying to describe the argument. You, right. you were comparing me to like you were comparing me to a kid. Yes, okay. And I think why I got so upset about that was because someone had just previously given me some feedback where they f- didn't like the way that you were treating me on the podcast. And I think that if I hadn't have gotten that feedback, I probably wouldn't have gotten so upset. You did get really upset. I listened back to it and I was like, wow, whoa, that really escalated really quickly. Like what I said was provocative. I'm not denying that. And I definitely could have phrased it better, but I I listened back and was like, I I kind of still agree with me from the past. Like, <laughs> And when I listen to myself argue, I often don't. But that one, I was like, I think <laughs> I wasn't as in the wrong as SJ reacted like I was. <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was... What did you think listening back? Eh, I don't know. I did, I did, I don't know. I was like, neither of us did a very good job or made much sense that much in that argument. But I think what I was get the reason why I got so upset about that was because someone gave me some feedback that they were feeling like that 
the way you respond to me can be kind of shaming and invalidating which is feedback that I've gotten before I think it was just the feedback was from someone who I cared about their opinion um was it me no it wasn't (laughs) you (laughs) and I think that just made me go like actually yeah like I've definitely listened to a bunch of the podcasts where I noticed that I don't kind of back myself in the way that I would like to when I'm listening back to it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. Like so- sometimes I unnecessarily call you out uh, and sometimes I'm totally wrong and I'm okay with those things. Like, because sometimes you're really, really dumb and wrong and you should be called <laughs> out. And it's the same thing of like, I can, I could either agree with everything you say or call you out and risk being wrong sometimes. And I'm okay with being wrong in those conversations. And you, based on the four years we've known each other, are also okay with that. (laughs) And you do the same with me. Like, you call me out on shit all the time, and sometimes you're wrong. Yeah, sometimes I'm wrong. No, I think just, like, that example of comparing me to a kid was a good example of the kind of, like... Like, of course, that was a provocative statement, but, like, subtly sort of, like, shamey, like, kind of thing. And... I think Again, never compared you to a kid. Like I, I did at some point, but the, the statement I made was not comparing you to a kid and you took it that way and attacked that. Sure. I definitely do listen back to the podcast and I am surprised I have not edited the podcast before to insert my own comments <laughs> <laughs> afterwards because there's been so many moments where I was like, why didn't I say that? And often it's where I like, back down from my argument or I accept a comment that when I think about later, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. And I think part of it is probably I just don't want to look like that person because, you know, having these conversations in public absolutely changes them and it means that I'm trying to be, you know, cool and collected and like, oh, yeah. But sometimes I do listen back and I'm like, yeah, actually, I would respond to that differently. Yeah. I want to do a whole podcast about being wrong because that is a super interesting topic. Uh, we can't do it now because we're, we're over time. But the essence of it is that, like, I will often, immediately after I've said something, be like, oh, that's not right. But not want to break up the flow of conversation and be like, hey, that thing I just said, no. <laughs> uh, but it happens all the time. And it happens not only on the podcast, but in real life. And I'm sure it doesn't just happen to me. You'll say something. And you might misspeak or you might be like, I think this. And then like, wait, no, no, I don't. But on the podcast, it feels so weird to do that. Now that I've been interviewing other people for the other podcasts that I'm working on, Starving Artist. Starving Artist. Starving Artist about um, art and money, cash dollars. I recognize that, that everyone's going to have that element when I interview them. And sometimes I think someone's been like, I kind of want to re-record that. I don't like what I said there. Yeah. But that's happened more than once where someone's been like, oh, I really don't like that thing that I said about the... Um. <laughs> I was on an episode of This Feels Terrible with Erin McGathy, and I walked away from that being like, did I just spend like 40 minutes defending bestiality? Because <laughs> it feels like I just spent 40 minutes defending bestiality. I don't know if that's what I want to have done in that interview. And so I didn't... I didn't Because that wasn't my podcast, I didn't listen to it for like three months until it went up. And I was like, oh... No, I stand by most of what I said there. <laughs> that was a pretty solid defense of bestiality. No, I agree with all those points. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it is... Uh, and the other, other thing is that people's memories are really flawed. So, like, my memory of this interaction with whoever it was who, who said that I aggressively hit on them, I remember it a very distinct way in which I did shitty things, apologize, and we became friends. That could be wrong. <laughs> Maybe I kept on hitting on them without apology. Maybe they are completely wrong in their memory, it's impossible to know. It's really frustratingly impossible. Yeah. I'm not trying to invalidate someone's experience. I'm just saying, like, that's not how I remember it. And it's not come up before now, so I don't know how to defend myself against that. I think that on this podcast, there's been many times where we've been like, this thing happened. You've been like, oh, I do not remember that. <laughs> <laughs> that is not how I remember that thing. Which isn't to say that like this what this person is saying is wrong like the, the issue is that the 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 right is lost so we have we have two opinions with no way of knowing which one's right yeah how do we conclude this 
Uh, see, okay, actually, that's a really good example. I said that, and now I'm like, God, that sounds like I'm fucking blaming rape victims right there. I that know, that's exactly what like I that. was like. I was like, no, why did you have to say that? I'm probably going to cut it out. Well, now you can keep it in and just know that, like, I don't stand by that. And it's the biggest fucking cop-out ever to be like, hey, that thing I just said and I recorded myself saying it and we're putting it online. Oh. I don't know if that's what I believe, but life is complex and we have an outro. Well, you know what dialectics is, right? No. Oh, okay. It's kind of like eugenics. No. (laughs) (laughs) That was my first thought. (laughs) So, um, a dialectic is like two things that seem like they should be opposing, but are both true. So, I did a year-long therapy program in dialectical behavior therapy, and the really common one that comes up in there is acceptance and change. So, acceptance and change are kind of opposing in that They're difficult to do at the same time. Does that make sense? But you kind of need to accept your situation and then also move towards changing whatever it is you want to change. But those things seem like they're not things that would occur at the same time. I think that's one of the things that I liked the most about that program is just looking at really complicated stuff where it feels like there's opposing stuff that's both true, which is that in this one it's like that... That memories are flawed and also that... Your experience is valid. That doesn't mean... Yeah, your experience is valid. So, like, those things are kind of... They're opposing. So, we've got to deal with how we understand the reality while we can accept both of those things as being true. Yep. It's fucking complex. And I think that's why I'm personally, like, I am all nuance. Because there's a lot of really black and white stuff out there and I just don't know that it serves people that that much to go down that road a lot. Yeah, but it, it's very attention-grabby and easy to follow, which is why it, tri- why yeah, it triumphs. Yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> nuance absolutely is not clickbait. It is nuance so Nuance is not. hard to market. Yeah, it's very hard to market. I think that's why I appreciate it so much when I find it. And then I'm like, yep, I'm going to follow that thing. So uh, to, to the person who I, I hit on, I'm, I'm genuinely sorry about that. Uh, and I don't do that anymore. I just flat out don't do that anymore. I learned from that. And it's shitty that you were the person who I had to learn through. But without that, I would not have learned that. And so either I would be single forever or I would learn how to flirt with people effectively. How do you know that you don't do that anymore? Mostly because I just, I just don't hit on people. Oh, Okay. Because previously you said that, like, you, all your inter- interactions are kind of flirty. Uh, yeah, but I just interact with way fewer people these days. Huh. Because I know that a lot of people take it the wrong way, and a lot of people don't get what I'm trying to do, and so I just avoid people more. Wow. I feel like this podcast is just, like, if it goes on for ten years, you'll just, like, only speak to two people by the end. <laughs> you will be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my my biggest fear is hurting people, and a lot of the stuff that I do, I found out inadvertently hurt people, and so I just don't hang around with people until I'm sure that I won't hurt them. Really? Yeah. Wow. Huh. Interesting. That's why that's why I love the friends and people who I do hang out with because like the the pain equation is much simpler when it's like I I get hurt from hurting people a lot of the time, and so when that doesn't happen, then that really really massively reduces the the pain side of it. Yeah. Learning things about Peter. Sometimes you say stuff and I'm like, wow. But you can't trust anything I say as we just learned. So (laughs) none of it's true. Uh, We have an outro from Hannah. Woohoo! I'm going to read her email because it's very nice. Hello, beautiful people. I just listened to Moving Towards Your Mountain and it was freaking excellent. Patreon day is always my favorite day. So Hannah is one of our amazing Patreon backers. And this one was very relevant to my brain feels lately. So thanks. Also, I did the thing where I sent an outro to SJ a few months ago, and I'm pretty sure I got lost in the email tundra. So here it is again. With love <laughs> from a loyal listener who wants to kiss both of your faces, Hannah. Oh, that's really lovely. Thanks for listening to Being Honest with My Ex. If you've enjoyed the podcast, subscribe to us on iTunes, leave a review, and tell your friends. Peter is my favourite star around which the Earth orbits. But SJ is my favourite moon. No. Ah, is this because you mooned her one time? <laughs> I like that, like, like uh, her comment about you could be interpreted as saying that you're very selfish. I think I'm pretty selfish. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, and but the loss of the moon could mean that like I need I need you to be able to light up. That's true. Yeah, you you basically exist to reflect my light. Uh, that, that's what she's <laughs> saying. That was the essence of the of the piece. <laughs> I think that's what she was getting at. I love you, and I will talk to you next time. I will talk to you next time. You too. Love, <laughs> love you. <laughs> I can't even look at you when I'm saying it. <laughs> love you. Yep. Nailed it. So much love. You're, you're so much more emotionally mature than me. It's beautiful to watch. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. Goodbye. Bye-bye.